You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. Silliness is abroad in the UK. Some are arguing in favour of a looser monetary regime. I responded to this two weeks ago. Others are even muttering in favour of joining the Eurozone, now celebrating its 10th birthday. Even my colleagues on the Lex column argued last week that the UK was close to meeting the economic test for joining. The only obstacle to entry Lex could find was political. Lex is wrong. Whether the UK meets arbitrary tests at a particular moment is irrelevant. What is right today may be wrong tomorrow. If a country is to join the Eurozone, its people must be willing to cope with the consequences forever, however unpleasant they may sometimes be. True, at present exchange rates, entry looks more plausible than for the past 12 years. The implied rate of the old D-mark against the pound was 2.46 on May the 23rd, well below the rate at which sterling was put in the old exchange rate mechanism in 1990. The real effective exchange rate, measured by J.P. Morgan, is 7% below its average since the beginning of the 1980s. At present rates, adoption of the euro does look reasonable. Moreover, add proponents, the UK pays a high price for being outside the zone. The real central bank intervention rate has averaged 3.2% in the UK since 1999 against just 1.4% in Germany or negative levels in Ireland and Spain. These relatively high short-term rates have also pushed longer-term rates above levels in the Eurozone. Yet none of these points is compelling. First, not long ago, some argued that the fact that sterling had been so stable against the euro from early 2003 to late 2007 was itself a reason for joining. Now people argue that sterling should join the eurozone because it has become so weak. All this shows is that the equilibrium exchange rate varies. The rate that made sense when the world was willing to finance the UK's property-related borrowing spree no longer does so today. Second, high short-term real rates were needed to contain the growth of credit. If the UK had been a member of the Eurozone with lower interest rates, both credit growth and the economy would have been even stronger, domestic inflation higher, and real short-term interest rates possibly even negative. Not only would the inflation and credit overshoot have been even bigger, but now that the domestic spending boom is over, there will be no offsetting stimulus from the fall in the exchange rate. Sterling has fallen by about 14% against the euro since last August. To achieve the same gain, Spain, now struggling with the end of an even bigger property-related boom, would need an annual rate of increase in unit labour costs, a percentage point lower than in its Eurozone competitors, for a good 15 years. That is quite a challenge. Third, the advantages of exchange rate flexibility need not go with worse price stability. Between 1998 and 2008, consumer prices will have risen by just 18% in the UK, the same amount as in Germany, and below the 20% rise in France and 26% in Italy, according to the International Monetary Fund. Now that sterling has fallen against the euro, the domestic price level will rise in the UK relative to the eurozone. But provided the Bank of England is determined to prevent pass-through to domestically determined prices, this should not endanger low inflation to any significant extent. Finally, there is no evidence that being outside the Eurozone has imposed a performance penalty upon the UK economy. Between the first quarter of 1999 and the first quarter of 2008, 
its economy expanded by 28% against 21% in the Eurozone as a whole and 16% in Germany. As I noted just this week in EMU's second 10 years may be tougher, published on May the 28th, there is no evidence that EMU has improved the economic dynamism of its members. If anything, membership seems to reduce the pressures for reform. The proposition, then, is fundamentally an economic one. Remaining outside the euro preserves the safety value of currency flexibility while losing nothing in aggregate economic performance. Being outside has not even hurt London's position as a financial centre. The big proviso, of course, is that the Bank of England continues to fulfil its mandate. That might now require a period of much slower growth, or even a recession. But long-lasting slowdowns in particular economies are just as likely, probably even more likely, inside the Eurozone. Yet, the proposition is also political. Inside a currency union, years of slow growth will occasionally be needed if relative costs are to come back into line. There are countries in which it is possible for politicians to sell this proposition. Spain and Italy may be among them. The UK is not. That is the beginning and the end of this story. Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.